0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. Hello and welcome to the programme. In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape, I will be discussing the case of Madeleine Smith, a case that scandalised 19th century Scotland and revealed a shocking affair between an upper middle class lady and a gentleman regarded as being of lower standing and in which this affair ends in his death by poison. Madeline Smith was born in Glasgow in 1836. She was the eldest of five children born to the architect James Smith and his wife Elizabeth The family occupied a fine house in fashionable India Street and later in Blytheswood Square. As befitted young ladies of her day, when she was a teenager, Madeline was scooted off to finishing school in London, where she took classes in music, needlework and good manners. She was also made to pray a lot. Mrs Alice Gorton, head of the school, kept a very strict eye on the girls, which consequently led them to develop the arts of intrigue and secrecy. Watch out for clues. In 1853, Madeline graduated and returned home to India Street. And like all such finished young ladies, she spent her days waiting for a suitable offer of marriage. So, how does a well-born and respectable young lady find herself under arrest for the ultimate crime of murder? It all began in 1855 when Madeline, then 18, was on one of her daytime outings when she bumped into a certain handsome and well-dressed gentleman on Saatchi Hall Street. Glasgow's fashionable commerce and social display street. His name? Émile L'Angelier, French. He fancied her, she fancied him. They both entertained thoughts of how they could meet on a regular basis. They clearly wished to embark on what they knew to be a forbidden romance. But how was that going to happen? How were they going to meet? help was at hand. With a little assistance from their friends, they were able to meet by pre-arrangements in shops or along the streets, yet still maintaining the air of decency. She was, after all, a lady. All this went very well, until their secret rendezvous were discovered, well, not so much discovered, but brought to the attention of a very displeased Mr James Smith by a friend of Madeleine's. After which, the way forward was letter-writing of which Madeleine was quite adept, thanks to her time at Mrs. Gorton's finishing school. Yet again, it was brought to the attention of Mr. Smith that his dear, well-bred daughter, Madeleine, was exchanging letters with this foreigner of low standing, Emile L'Angelier. Who do you think this so-called friend was? It was none other than Madeline's own sister, Bessie. A traitor? Or was she acting to protect her sister's good name? Who knows? But what we do know is that this forbidden romance took off at a pace. There was no stopping it. Such was this strong attraction between Madeline and Emile. And as time moved on, Madeline found a way to send and receive Emile's letters. And there were hundreds of letters that passed between them. And in these letters, she gave herself a pseudonym, calling herself Miss Richards. Such deceit! But then, was she not schooled in the arts of intrigue and secrecy? during her time at mrs gordon's finishing school and emile was very earnest earnest emile <laughs> he followed her everywhere if only just for a brief meeting they would meet on ferry boats in walled gardens and on certain occasions when the smith family were away madeline allowed emile into the family home i have to say here that emile's intentions towards madeline were honorable he wanted to marry the girl, but to do that, he would have to convince Daddy Smith, who was not a man to be trifled with, and he certainly wasn't planning on marrying off his virgin daughter to some low-standing Frenchman who worked as a clerk. But despite all of this, the romance between Madeleine and Emile grew and grew and grew, and the couple were spending more and more time together. And in the summer of 1856, as they laid together in the garden of the Smiths' summer home, they were at last able to give their love its fullest expression. You know what that means. Mm, Nice. But that was not to last. Trouble was afoot. Mr. Smith found a suitor for Madeline. She was to be married to William Pinnock, a well-to-do merchant. Never mind the fact that he was uh, mature in age. What was the poor girl to do now, when she had indeed given herself to Emile? Disregarding all this talk of marriage to another man, Madeline and Emile became even more engrossed with each other, their love getting stronger and stronger. But wait a minute change was on the horizon. The winds of change had blown in and brought with it a chill. The letters from Madeleine to Emile became briefer and cooler. Why? What's happened? William Minnock, that's what's happened. Madeleine was now spending more and more time with him. Could she be falling in love with this Minnock man? Emile was agonised by this development. He continued to write to Madeleine, begging her to see him. But she completely dismissed him, ignored him, even in the streets. But Emile continued to visit her at her home, sitting by her basement bedroom window night after night. And as the weather turned colder... She would sometimes allow Emile into the house for a brief meeting, and she would even make and take to him a cup of hot chocolate. So the year 1856 is drawing to a close, and Madeleine finds her exciting secret affair has become a burden. Her life of deception was very difficult to maintain. Something needed to be done. But what? In January of 1857, Madeline accepted William Minnick's proposal and agrees to marry him. What? Needless to say, the Smith family is beyond pleased with this match. Later in February, Madeline asked Emile to return her letters so as not to make public her shame. Emile had threatened to give the letters to her father and tell him about their relationship. But Emile refused to return the letters. No can do, he said. Madeleine felt she had to take matters into her own hands, for her sake. And in so doing, she sent a young boy in her family's employ to a nearby chemist to buy a vial of cyanide. Cyanide! What on earth was she going to do with that? The sale was refused because of the boy's young age. He was too young to be buying such a thing. Well, not to be outdone, Madeline invites Emile for a little tete-a-tete, he thinks. He was quite looking forward to reconciling with his great love. And they took tea together. How lovely. However, Emile might have been of low standing in the eyes of Glaswegian high society. He may have been madly in love, but he was not a complete lunatic. And he kept his wits about him. He kept a journal of these meetings with Madeline, Just as well, because after this first reconciled meeting, Emile begins to feel unwell. He experiences excruciating stomach pain. But in no way does he connect this with his visits to see Madeline, And they had had quite a few visits. And after each visit, Emile becomes violently ill. So what's going on here then? What is going on here is Madeline can be found in a drugstore purchasing arsenic powder. Why would Madeleine, a respectable young lady, be purchasing such a deadly substance? She tells the chemist that she needs it to rid her garden of vermins and pests. Could Emile be a pest, perhaps? And she also uses it for cosmetic purposes, that is, to lighten her complexion. Very common in the 1850s. Madeline signs her name to the poison book as required by law. And so Madeline Smith continues to purchase her poison, and Emile L'Angelier gets sicker and sicker. Despite medical attention and intervention, at 9 o'clock on the 23rd of March 1857, Emile expires. The question is, what connects Madeleine Smith and the death of Emile L'Angelier? Found among his possession were various keys, several packages of love letters, and a journal. The explicit wording of these letters would have shocked Madeleine's family. In these letters, she refers to herself as Emile's darling wife, ending her letters with... Love and affection, ever yours, Mimi. It had come to those investigating Emil's untimely death that Madeleine Smith has been in the habit of purchasing arsenic, especially in recent weeks. Coincidence? The autopsy on Emil showed that there was enough arsenic in his system, enough to dispatch or take out 40 men. Talk about overkill. On Tuesday, 31st of March, 1857, Madeline Smith was arrested for murder and attempted murder of Emile L'Angelier. This was sensational! A respectable young lady from a wealthy family charged with murder? The city's newspapers stirred the public into a state of excitement and their appetites were insatiable. Because of that, the trial was shifted from Glasgow to the High Court in Edinburgh. When the trial began on Thursday, June 30th, the streets were filled with curious citizens. The courtroom was filled to capacity. Madeline found herself facing a three judge panel and 15 good men, as well as a list of witnesses for the Crown who testified to Madeline's guilt. The chemist who sold Madeline the arsenic powder testified that it was extremely difficult to administer large doses of the stuff accidentally. Another witness stated that Emile had confided in her that he suspected Miss Smith was trying to poison him. However, the crowd was dealt a blow because the journal Emile kept, which detailed his visits with Madeleine and how, after such visits, he fell ill, were not allowed into evidence. Primarily because the notes were written in pencil and the court took the view that being in pencil and not permanent, could have been altered. Hmm, that's a thought. There was even a suggestion that Emile committed suicide. That wasn't helped when three chemists for the defence declared that they sold arsenic to a man who looked like Emile. If that wasn't enough, the entire public was divided about Madeline Smith. The upper classes believe she was the true victim of Emile. They called him a vile seducer, a manipulator and a social pretender, not to mention a Frenchman. But the common people know that no young lady of wealth and position would hesitate to rid herself of an inconvenient suitor and that she will most likely get away with it. While Madeleine's fate was being decided, she spent eight days remanded in jail. But that was no hardship. She breakfasted on coffee, rolls and mutton chops and even received letters from men who wanted to marry her. And at the courthouse where she was held, people paid as much as a guinea just to get a brief glimpse of her. On Thursday, July 9th, After resounding closing speeches for the Crown and for the defence, and after just 22 minutes, a verdict was reached. On the count of murder, Madeline Smith was not guilty. On the count of attempted murder, it was not proven. The courtroom and the streets outside erupted in wild cheers. Madeline left the court a free woman while Emile lies cold in his grave. So, was justice served? Or is what we have here a miscarriage of justice? What do you think? Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more fascinating and interesting matters that go on Behind the Yellow Tape. Till then, you can keep in touch by emailing info at btytpodcast.com. I'm an American vigil.